Good morning, Crestview Baptist Church. How is everybody this morning? Good, I'm so glad to have you with us this morning. Thank you for coming to worship with us. Uh, we're, glad to, we're glad to see you here. Uh, I'm especially glad to see you. Um, it's a nice, cool, cool Sunday morning, but the good thing is tomorrow is the first day of spring, so we can get excited about that. Um, if you're a guest or a visitor with us for the first time, we would love to have a record of your attendance um, just so we can get to know you a little better. There are some cards in the pews in front of you. If you just fill one out, drop it in the offering plate as it goes by just so we can get to know you. A few announcements. Um, April the 1st is coming up on us. That is our breakfast from 7 to 9.30. That is also our uh, uh, children's minister Easter egg hunt that day from 11 to 1. Uh, we'll have a hot dog lunch. And we're going to have some games. I'm still working on some stuff for that. If you want to bring candy for that to donate to put in the eggs, uh, drop them off in the church office or with Artie, and I'll be sure I get them. Um, uh, our Easter schedule is in the bulletin. If you want to see that, we'll, our uh, Sunday uh, sunrise service will be at 730, and then we'll have a breakfast at 830, and then we'll have Sunday school at 930. Uh, before... We do have a video, but Miss Joy needs to share something with us this morning. So I'm going to ask Miss Joy to come up. And then after Miss Joy's done, there'll be a video uh, just to remind you about our revival service. And after that, I just invite you to turn your hearts and let's focus on, the, on God this morning. Good morning. Uh, I wasn't really prepared to make an announcement, <clears throat> but I'll do my best. Uh, as we're supposed to be celebrating women during the month of uh, March, also we're doing Annie Armstrong mission offering. Annie Armstrong was born in 1850, and she was a big advocate for missionaries and their work. She championed missions, support among Southern Baptist churches, and helped create a rich legacy of people awakening and responding to God's call to pray, give, and go. We hope that you'll do the same today. Pray, give, and if you can't go, support the missionaries and the church openings that Annie Armstrong Mission Offering is responsible for. 100% of your donations goes to the missionaries and the mission field support of them. <clears throat> also, our Adopt a Child uh, renewal is due. We adopt a child in Nicaragua his name is Brian, and he wants to be a policeman. Uh, anyone who would like to contribute to this, it's done through WMU, but uh, anyone that would like to contribute to supporting Brian and him staying in school and the things that he needs, just see me after the service or call me sometime. It's due before the end of March. So thank you, and uh, let's remember Annie Armstrong Easter offering too. What does the cross mean to you? For some, it means nothing. For some, it's a piece of jewelry, a fashion statement. For some, it's a symbol of fear, a symbol of oppression. For some, it's a symbol of an old religion, mere superstition. 
but for all of us, it can be a symbol of hope. For in it, we can see the mind and heart of God. For God, the cross was his plan all along, his plan for salvation, his plan to bring his people home. Join us March 27th through March 31st and April 5th as we answer the question, what is the cross? Good morning. I encourage you guys, all of you, to, uh, to come join us for this revival. It's, it's going to be different than you've ever experienced before. Having six different churches involved each night at a different church. All the services will be at 6.30. We start off on the 27th at Beaver Dam and we'll go different place. We'll end, be here on Thursday of that week. Um, and I encourage you all to be here um, for that as often as you can, knowing that with it being all week long, there's going to be certain nights that people can't come. So, But I do encourage you to come as we gather together congregations of six different churches, but we all have one Savior. And we're coming together to celebrate that. So I encourage you to do that. I do have uh, an announcement. And then we have, I, I guess, a little bit of a testimony from one of our younger uh, people. So, but first, the announcement. If you know, back at the beginning of, the, of COVID, our water fountain stopped working in, on this end of the building, and we've not had a water fountain since. It is now working again, and we have water fountain, and it works great, and it's cold over on this end of the building again, so you don't have to track all the way over there um, to get it. But we do have that working. Just want to let you guys know. But if uh, Morgan and Peyton could come up here. If you remember, we were having, um, a couple of weeks ago, we were having some mad prayer over Peyton. Peyton, um, boy's got an appetite, <laughs> to say the least. And he ate a watch battery, which uh, a lithium watch battery, which honestly could cause death um, with the, the corroding and the chemicals and the metals and everything. But Peyton has recorded a thank you because he will not speak in public. So he has recorded a, a thank you that Morgan is going to play for you now. Thank you everyone for playing for me. Hold on, let me do it again. Thank you everyone for playing for me. Hold on, he's not done yet. He's not done? Your prayers help me come home. Your prayers help me come home. Okay. I love you, I love you all. Uh, we love you too, Peyton. So, thank you. Do you want to say anything? No, just it was, it was really, it was amazing because everything was stacked against him and any minute it could have, you know, it could have exploded or corroded or stuck to him. It could have killed him. And all of the prayers brought this child home without any injuries. And the doctors can't explain it. And I was like, I can. I don't see how they couldn't. So thank you all so much. And with that, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin our time together. Our blessed Savior, we come before you right now. 
Dear Lord, we lift your name on high today. We thank you for taking care of Peyton. Dear Lord, that's just another example of you being you and doing things that we cannot explain. The doctors don't understand how Peyton has had no effects from this experience. But dear Lord, we lifted him to you in prayer. And you answered those prayers. Dear Lord, we have others that we've been praying for. And you answered that prayer. We were asking for, for healing. And dear Lord, you answered those prayers by giving Barbara Shuford and Ray Turner ultimate healing because now they are standing before you. Their salvation made complete in the presence of their Savior. Dear Lord, we praise you for that also. Dear Lord, we have so many other things going on with, with parents getting older and having health issues and mental issues. And, and, and dear Lord, there's so many things going on. We have people that are recovering from surgery or facing surgery, facing tests, dealing with cancer. And dear Lord, right now we lay those all at your feet. But dear Lord, we are here today not only to lift our cares to you, but we are here to worship you. And right now, dear Lord, for this short hour, I ask that you block everything out of our minds so that we can focus solely on you. Dear Lord, as we sing these songs, that we're not just repeating words that we've said time after time, but we will literally think about what we're singing and we will sing these words from our heart as a praise to you. As Chad speaks with the children today, dear Lord, I pray that you speak through him to their little hearts, that they will understand that you love them and that you died for them. And dear Lord, I ask that you speak through me today, that your name be lifted up. And dear Lord, I ask that as we give, that we give out of a heart of gratitude because you alone, you are alone are the way of salvation. And dear Lord, we praise you for that today. Now, may your spirit move among your people. May you rock us to our core today. That we, when we leave this place, that we will know that we've been in the presence of God. Have your way with us today. Take control of this service, dear Lord. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing a call to worship? Page 140, down at the cross, we'll sing the first and the last verses. Page 140. Glory to 
given of our tithes and our offerings. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can give back to you, just a small portion that you have blessed us with. So take this gift, bless the gift, and bless the giver, for it's your name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand again as we sing our hymn of praise, number 406, The Solid Rock. We'll sing verses 1 and 2. kids to come forward this morning they love me I am I if you don't know this guy likes to pick on me and instead of calling me the Faustin Fury he likes to call me the Faustin Fairy so he just likes to pick on me all right guys <laughs> I don't know who did that oh Trey did that all right well, what, hey, what good is church if you can't laugh and have a good time? Right? Hey guys, I am excited to be here, and I am really excited about tomorrow. Why do you think I'm excited about tomorrow? I said it a while ago. 
It's the first day of, it's the first full day of spring. I love springtime. It's a fun time of the year. There's more time to play outside. You have to mow the grass. That is probably my least favorite part of springtime. Mowing the grass. And uh, there, there is, uh, it's daylight more. There, it's warmer, or it's supposed to be warmer in the springtime. Um, there's lots of things about spring I like. But one thing, another thing I like to see is flowers and trees start to bloom. And all the brown, yucky things of fall and winter start to become new again. Isn't that awesome when you see that? You guys like flowers? Flowers and blooms on trees and sometimes the trees grow fruit on them. Awesome. The shrubbery is growing. No? The trip. Oh, awesome. All right, have a seat, okay? That seat? Growing flowers. And spring is a time of hope and newness, and it reminds me of Jesus. Did you know that? Do you know it reminds me of Jesus? A long, long time ago, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they did something and they call, that we call sin. They disobeyed what God told them to do. They did something God told them not to do. Who's done that before? Has anybody here done that before? Have we disobeyed God? We've all did it. The Bible says we've all did it. And a great, wonderful verse to, to, to line up with this and spring is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Now listen to this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, are you anyone? Susie, are you anyone? Raise your hand if you're anyone. I'm anyone. He, or they, are a new creation. Who, like, who would want to be a new creation? You wouldn't want to be a new creation? <laughs> I'll explain it more later. But like a couple weeks ago, Izzy came up and she decided to give her life to Jesus. And now she wants to be baptized, right? So she is in Christ now and she is a new creation. And it says, when we do that, all the old things have passed away. What are the old things in our life that, that pass away? Sin, that's right. All the old things in our life have passed away. Just like when spring comes, all those old trees and yucky brown flowers, they turn into new, bright, shiny things. All that brownness is gone for a season. But the good thing is, our spring, when we come to Christ, is not just a season. It is forever. Isn't that awesome? So this week, next week, all through spring, as every time you go out in the yard, every time you see the sun shining, or a green tree, or a purple, or pink, or blue flower, or maybe a, a new bird tweeting in their nest, I want you to think, of how Jesus Christ made us all new. And listen, I'm going to read this one more time before we pray. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Isn't that awesome? 
Point at yourself and say, I have become new. That's awesome. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to sit down up here, and then we're going to go have some fun in children's church, okay? And we might even let Teddy roll around the floor out there because he looks like he needs it. So let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for each one of these boys and girls here. Thank you for the spring weather that we're hoping to get soon. And thank you for the, the, the flowers and the birds and the trees and the grass and all those things. Thank you that you make all, that thing, all those things new in the springtime. But most of all, we're thankful that through Jesus and through what he did for us, we have been made new also. And our newness doesn't fade away. It lasts for eternity. All this we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go this way.
Thank you, choir. That is literally one of my three favorite songs. And it's actually the, the newest of my three favorite songs. My others are Amazing Grace, and it is well with my soul. But in Christ alone. We having problems with the TVs? Oh, there we go. In Christ alone. That's the title of my sermon today. Now, I'm going to beg your indulgence for a little bit because I have to tell you, after I read the Scripture, how I came to this sermon title. And I'm going to show you a couple of different things and, and talk to you about some things before I get to the meat of this sermon. So if you had turned to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to read in verses 1 through 5. We're going to read what Paul says here in these verses in his letter, his first letter to the church in Corinth. If you would stand in honor of the reading of God's word. But 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, Paul writes this. He says, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for what we see Paul write. Dear Lord, in his commitment, his determination to preach and teach Christ alone. Speak through me today and speak through your word to us. And it's in the holy and precious name of our living Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. See, the... Uh, 
Last week, when I was preaching about Jesus, the great I am, what I didn't know at that time is that the president of Southern Seminary out of Louisville, Kentucky, had made a tweet that had become very controversial and, and, and it was huge. So Trey, if you could put that up, that tweet from Albert Moeller, here is what it says. Any consideration of Christian preaching must begin with the realization that preaching is essentially an act of worship. The central act of Christian worship. Now, if you notice this, that he tweeted this on the 11th, that he's had 300, and at this time, when I, print, when I took the screenshot of this post, he had 312.3 thousand views. He only had 29 retreats, 171 quote tweets, and 359 likes. I understand where he's coming from when he said this. Because it has become a tendency in our society, especially here in America, that we do not see preaching the Word of God as an important part of the worship experience. We have a generation that thinks the preaching part is the most boring part of the whole time. And so we have churches where they spend, out of an hour, they spend 45 minutes in praise and worship, which, Sandra, please don't get me wrong, that's not bad. But then, in turn, the pastor gets 10 to 15 minutes to preach and what he's able to preach. And in, sadly enough, in some cases, you couldn't fill a thimble with the theological food that he preaches. And in fact, I've actually been at a service where the preacher got up and preached and he never opened the Bible one time, never even quoted Scripture. And then prayed to dismiss the service. What he is saying here is that we need to get back to that, that the preaching is an act of worship and it is the key part of worship. I understand. I can also understand some of the that he's getting because of this. In fact, I have a friend, actually I have several friends that are on the more liberal side of theology, if you would, and we definitely do not agree. Go to the next slide, Trey. This is my friend. I left his name off and everything, but this is what he responded to this post. If preaching is the central act of Christian worship, then the preacher, not Christ, is the center of worship. That this idea is held by the leader of the flagship seminary of the Southern Baptist Convention is illustrative of why the Southern Baptist Convention is in such sad theological shape. I can see his point of view, but what he's misunderstanding is that President Mueller did not say that the focus of the worship was the sermon. He said act of preaching was a form of worship and key to worship. I want you to think about this. On the day of Pentecost, when over 5,000 souls accepted Christ as their Savior and were added to the church, did they have a complete worship band playing? Did they have a, a worship leader leading 
45 minutes of worship songs before Peter preached? Did he? No. Peter got up and preached. I have no idea how long he preached. But he had a habit of preaching so long that people fell asleep and fell out of windows and died. I can never... Next person that tells me that I'm long-winded, I have to remind them of that. Well, at least you didn't fall out of the pew dead. Okay? He preached. Now, please do not get me wrong. Do not get me wrong. I am not saying that we need to do, with pray, do without praise and worship. I am definitely not saying that. And in fact, you can ask Sandra. I actually asked her a while back, Sandra, we need to add some more songs. We need to add some more songs. There is a place for praise and worship. The problem is, is when the praise and worship becomes the focus of the service and not God's Word and Jesus Christ. So I can see both sides of this, but you've got to understand where they're coming from. Now, here's my question. Is preaching the central act of Christian worship? Well, here at Crestview, our worship service is made up of four aspects. And I pray that this never changes. We have prayer. We cannot begin worship without first praying and talking to God and listening to what He has to say. We have to pray. It is a vital part of worship, is prayer. The second is we have to praise. We have to put our hearts in the proper place through prayer so that we're able to sing praises to God. And not only praise Him through singing, but praise Him through giving. This includes the offering. If you notice that we say we are worshiping through tithes and offerings, through our gifts, that is exactly what we're doing. Not because we have to. It's not a rule from the church that we have to give. But we give out of an appreciative heart for the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save us. And it is our act of worship is, by, is giving Him back what He deserves. In fact, we can never outgive God. You guys realize that? We can never outgive God. We could give Him every bit of money we earn, and we would still not outgive God. But that's part of our praise. The second is preaching, sharing the Word of God, breaking it open, proclaiming the Word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is a vital part of worship. And then, of course, the invitation. We cannot pray. We cannot sing. We cannot give. And we cannot preach without giving people the opportunity to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ or respond to what God is telling them to do. So we have those four aspects of our church. Prayer, praise, preaching, and invitation. All of these aspects of worship are important and must have as their focus, every single one of them must have as their focus, the gospel of Jesus Christ. However, the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus through the preaching of God's word should be at the forefront of every worship service. Doesn't mean it's the most important thing, but it, it should be at the forefront. It should be 
than the prominent position because proclaiming the word of God is where we get the meat of God's word. At least it should be. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's many times that, that the choir has sing and we've had such an incredible worship experience that I've almost felt like I could get up here and pray and close the service and we've been to church. But God did not give me a sermon to preach. For me not to preach it. Does that make did you understand? There's a there are times that a 45-minute sermon is not long enough. And other times a 10-minute sermon is too long. You, you know what I'm talking about. So having said all of that. I have to tell you this, is that it is a common trap that a pastor or a worship leader or a youth minister or even deacons or somebody that's up here on stage singing a solo or whatever, it's a common trap that we lose focus on the cross. We lose focus on Jesus Christ. And it's when we lose those focus that we make it about us. And we put the focus on us. And I'm going to tell you something. I am bald, fat, and falling apart at the seams. I don't want the focus on me. I don't want you guys to look at me and see me as the example. Because I'm not. But I know who the example is. And it is Christ alone. That's who we need to be looking to. That's who we need to be looking at. That's who we need to be focused on. Whether it's us singing a solo, singing in the choir, leading worship, it's not about us. It's about what Christ did for us and what he's doing through us. That's our focus. So let's look at Paul. Now we're going to get, that was just a little intro. Now let's get to the heart of this sermon. Paul gives us an incredible example here in these verses of how we can keep our focus on Christ alone. I love the fact that here, Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, tells this church in Corinth, that I came to you and I, I determined to preach Christ and Christ alone. Look at what it says here in verse 1. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, but I came proclaiming to you the testimony of God. Paul was not concerned with proving he was a well-educated man and an influential man. See, Paul was educated by the premier rabbi of the time. He even called himself at one point the Pharisee among Pharisees. He knew his stuff. This is the man that went to the Acropolis there in, in, in Greece and went up and reasoned with the intellectual elite. And he was reasoning with them and he even used their own their own idols they had an altar for the unknown god in case they had forgot somebody 
And, and Paul says, I'm coming to you to proclaim that this unknown God can be known. And he proceeds to tell them about Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some of those intellectual elite came to belief in Jesus Christ because of his reasoning with them. But that's not the way that he went to the Corinthians. He did not come as a philosopher or a salesman. He came as a witness to give testimony of what God had done. See, a lot of times, people think that you have to have a great testimony to be influential. But I'm going to tell you, the, more, the majority of these people that have been saved out of drug addiction, alcoholism, abuse, uh, sexual promiscuity, the majority of those people, when somebody says, I wish I had your testimony, I got saved at the age of eight and I've never left the church, I've always been faithful, they will flat out tell you they would rather have that testimony than the one they have. Paul has an incredible testimony. The testimony that he shared was the power of God to transform a man that was on a mission of murder to kill all the Christians, to drag them away and place them in prison. And he came face to face with Jesus Christ and it, it changed his life forever, ever. And he not only changed, got, got a changed life, he got a changed name. See, his name used to be Saul. Now it's Paul. As a constant reminder of the change that God did in his life. And he experienced the grace and mercy of the gospel of Jesus Christ firsthand. But he will tell you that he was the sinner, he was the chief of all sinners. We are all sinners, of which I am the chief. He, he had this feeling that he had wasted a lot of his life because he didn't come to, he fought against Christ instead of following Christ. But he came not to persuade them. He didn't come to argue with them. He didn't come as an intellectual elite. He came as a broken person sharing the power of the testimony of God and what the power of Christ did in his life. That's what we have to remember doesn't matter if you're standing behind the pulpit or talking to somebody in the grocery store or, or talking somebody, to somebody where you work. Out on the street, it doesn't matter. You have to remember what Christ did in you. Because we are all sinners saved by grace. Not anything that we did, but everything about what Christ did. Then look at verse 2. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What he is saying here is that Paul made a conscious decision to place Jesus and His Gospel as his singular focus in ministry. Paul wasn't forgetting everything that he had learned 
at the feet of Galil, the, the, the rabbi that taught him. He wasn't forgetting everything that he learned in Hebrew school about the law. He wasn't forgetting everything that he learned face to face with Jesus Christ out in the wilderness. He wasn't forgetting all of that stuff. But he made a conscious decision that that was not of the most important thing. The most important thing that he could share was Jesus Christ and Him crucified. A lot of times we hear, oh, you Baptists, all you preach about is getting saved. No, it's not all we preach about. But you have to preach it. Because everything goes back to Jesus Christ. We cannot talk about the Christian life and how to be a disciple of Jesus Christ without talking about Jesus Christ. And you can't talk about Jesus Christ without talking about the cross and what He did for us. You can't separate that. We have to be constantly reminded that we are sinners saved by grace. That Jesus loved us. That Jesus died for us. And Jesus rose again. We cannot get away from that fact. Because when we get away from it, it is no longer about Jesus Christ and it's about us. But Paul made this conscious decision to not make it about Him, but to preach and know only Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Then look at verses 3 and 4. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. While Paul had this ability to debate with the intellectual elites, like the example I gave you there on the Acropolis in, in Greece, that was not his pur purpose. He was not coming there to do that. He showed the power of the Holy Spirit to transform and empower that was his purpose. See? Where it talks about him coming to you in fear and trembling. He was letting them know, listen, I'm just like you. I am with you. I understand where you're walking. I have been there. I struggle. See, in today's society, a lot of times... <coughs> We want to see these televangelists that get up there and they, they portray themselves as being above everybody else. That's why they got to have the million dollar jets instead of flying coach like the rest of us. They, they have to be way up above us. There's not a single person in the Bible that preached the Word of God, whether in the Old Testament or New Testament, that lived a life like that. You guys realize that? They were common, everyday folks dealing with the same type of stuff that we deal with every day. And I'm going to tell you right now, I am right there with you. I understand struggling to not knowing if you're going to be able to pay a bill. I understand struggling being mad at your wife. And my wife understands what it's like to be mad at her husband. To want to wring your kids' necks. And I have literally told my kids, I will kill you 
and it won't matter to me because I'll make another one that looks just like you. And if you don't believe it, look at the pictures. All of you look alike. Except Timothy, he's way up, he, way up here now. I understand that. The only difference between me and you is the fact that God has called me to preach. God has called you to do something too, hasn't He? We all are under the same marching orders. Go and make disciples of all nations. I am in it with you. That is what Paul is saying here. I was with you in the fear and trembling. I was there with you. I know you. I know what you're going through and I feel it too. And then he goes on and says, I didn't come so I can prove how smart I was. I came to show you the power of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. Paul, Chad was sharing with the children that if we are in Christ, we are a new creature. Well, who is it that makes us the new creature? The Holy Spirit. Remember last week I talked about the Trinity. About God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are all the same substance. But they all have different forms and different, different things that they do. And I use the example of water, H2O. And its liquid form, it is water. And its solid form, it's ice. And its gas form, it is steam. All of which are still H2O. Hydrogen and oxygen put together in the right amounts. And it is called water. But the job of the Holy Spirit is to guide, convict, and change us from the inside out. It is the one that is constantly making intercessions for us when we don't even know what to pray for. When we can't even get out our, the words out of our mouth to tell God how we feel, the Holy Spirit is doing that for us. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that allows us to read Scripture and see it as the Holy Word of God. It is not about us, but it's about Christ alone. And then look at verse 5. He even tells us why we have to do this. So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Paul understood it was his job as to be the preacher, to preach the Word of God. And it was the job of the Holy Spirit to do the rest. We have to remember sometimes, and it gets very discouraging, that when you preach or you teach or you talk to somebody about Christ and they don't respond. But we have to remember that it's not our job to make them respond. It is the Holy Spirit that convicts, that leads, that directs. All we're required to do is put it out there and let God do the rest. That's our responsibility. That's our job. You notice the Great Commission, He didn't call us to save people. He called us to make disciples. 
He told us when we receive the, the Holy Spirit, when we receive power, once the Holy Spirit has come upon us, that we will be His witnesses doing exactly what Paul did, sharing the testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, there is a story of a church that had a visiting pastor. And the visiting pastor that came to preach that Sunday was shorter than their, their, their pastor. You know, it's like me and Stan. When Stan preaches, Stan's way down here, and I'm way up here. They had a stained glass window, much like we have behind the pulpit. But in their stained glass window, it was a picture of Jesus. And when that preacher got done preaching, this little girl came up to him and said, I liked your preaching. He said, that other guy that preaches is always getting in the way of Jesus. See, she could see Jesus in the background over top of that preacher. But the other preacher was getting in the way of Jesus. See, if a preacher or any other individual is not careful, we will get in the way of the gospel instead of bringing, being a servant of the gospel. We can obscure Jesus by our preaching, either in presence or presentation or in message. We have a lot of preachers that are not preaching in Christ alone. And they are obscuring the picture of who Jesus really is and what Jesus can do. We have some preachers, and I know them personally, that will preach that it doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you believe something. That there's many ways to heaven. And I'm thinking, where in the world are you getting that? Because that's not what Jesus said at all. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. In other words, in Christ alone. We need to get back to that. Now look at what it says in this song again, and I'm done. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones He came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on Him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. 
For I am His and He is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. Now get this last verse. No guilt in life. No fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. For life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from His hand till He returns or calls me home. Here, in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Church, we need to get away from all the other garbage and get back to focusing on Christ alone. You know that song, give me that old time religion. If it was good for Paul and Silas, I'm going to tell you something. Paul, in his own words, said, I will know nothing. I am determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That song says if it was good enough for them, it's good enough for me. I'm going to tell you something. Paul, if preaching Jesus Christ was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. And it needs to be good enough for all of us. Because it is only in Christ alone that we have salvation. It is through Christ alone that we have hope. It is through Christ alone that we have peace. It is in Christ alone. He is the only one that can take broken lives and broken pieces and put them together and make them whole. It is through prayer and Jesus Christ that can save a little five-year-old boy and bring him out whole. And the doctors can't explain how. It is the power of Jesus Christ that does that. Now we're in a time of our service where it's the invitation. This is your chance to respond to what God is calling you to do. If you don't know Jesus Christ, please, I'm begging you, please, if I could do it for you, I would. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, please come forward. I would be more than happy to introduce you to Him. There are other people in the congregation that would be thrilled to introduce you to Jesus Christ. If you know Christ, but you've never been baptized, we're going to be having a baptism service on Easter Sunday. If you, if you need to be baptized, we would love to add you to the list of people getting baptized. If you are looking for a church home and you've never been a member of a church, or you, want to, or you want to transfer to this church. Whatever God is telling you to do, come forward and we will do what we need to do. The only requirements for, for membership in our church is following Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, accepting Him as your Savior, and following Him in believer's baptism. That means you get dumped. Those are the only two requirements. But if God is calling you to join our congregation, we would love to have you. Come forward. If God is telling you, you need to go talk to so-and-so, go do it. If He's saying, fall on your face and pray, do it. But remember, it's in Christ alone. As we sing this song, do whatever God is telling you to do. And as we sing page 139 at the cross.
are visiting with us today, thank you for being here. I hope that you took the opportunity, if this is your first time visiting with us, to fill out a visitor's card and place it in the offering plate. If you didn't, I'm going to ask Joy. Where's Joy? Would you mind going to the Welcome Center out there, Joy? And, and if uh, we are having a business meeting, if you do not want to stay, if you wouldn't mind, just if you're a visitor, just stop by the Welcome Center to see Joy on your way out. Um, we greatly appreciate it. But uh, I'm going to ask, don't forget about Wednesday night. Don't forget about our revivals next week. And I'm going to ask Jim, as our deacon of week and moderator, if he would dismiss us in prayer and begin our, our business meeting. Pray with me. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being with us in your house, for speaking to us, for enabling us and forgiving us of our sins. It says in your word that others will know us by the love we have for each other. Lord, help us to show that love to each other in the world, to forgive our shortcomings, to put up with our human side and remember that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for everything, Lord. In Christ alone we do stand. In his name, amen. <clears throat>